Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, to the Winter is Coming Game of Thrones podcast. This is Take the Black, and I'm your host, Razor, and I'm here with the usual suspects, Annie, Corey Phone of Halstone, Isis, and Corey Smith, the lowborn Corey Smith. What? Smith actually, <laughs> in Texas, if you're a bastard, your last name is Smith. So. Oh, oh, no. Wow. Oh, wow. We're here to talk about a little bit of news uh, concerning Game of Thrones in Season 8. We got from Entertainment Weekly this weekend a little bit about the ending of Game of Thrones. And Annie, I'm going to let you take this away since you hit the article up hard and fast this weekend. Let us know what happened with Season 8. Well, what happened this weekend is something called the Television Critics Association. And basically what it is is it's a a meeting where a bunch of the television critics go out to L.A. to a hotel. And over the course of four or five days, um, a bunch of different television stations make their presentations. They're called upfronts. And these upfronts are basically, here's what we're going to be doing in the fall. And they do this uh, once a year. They do this twice a year. They do this in the summer. And then they do this in the winter. And uh, HBO was scheduled for Saturday. And the last time that HBO had been on, they'd been on at the very end of the day. So I kind of wasn't watching so much. And then suddenly, like, my Twitter feed was all, like, freaking out about it. I was like, oh. Um, And it's actually a really good thing you sent me the Entertainment Weekly write-up because there was a whole conversation going on. And I was staring at it fascinated and not actually writing the article. Um, (laughs) But basically, there's a new president of HBO, the old guy, Michael Lombardo. Uh, He is basically moving on. He's been president since, like, 2006. It's been 10 years. Um, You know, he just needs to move on. His time is done. And they've promoted this guy who used to just be in charge of comedy. His name is Casey Blois. And he's now in charge of both drama and comedy. And he's kind of like president of production. And so he was answering questions about Game of Thrones. And one of the things he said is that he didn't actually say outright season eight is the last season. What he said is the, um, the producers, you know, uh, Betty Off and Weiss have, uh, they have a set number. They have an idea. This is season seven and eight is basically what they're saying is the truth, which is that this is over. Um, but then he also said that there were, that, they are, of course, trying to convince them that they really want to do a prequel or a sequel or some kind of spin-off show for because, I mean, seriously, it's television. Television doesn't have, you know, everybody says Hollywood is out of ideas. Television doesn't want to let a show that's good go to go away. Like, they just don't want it to end. Breaking Bad didn't just end. It then also had a Better Call Saul. So basically, they're looking to try to do something like that. Um, so yeah, so that was the big news is that basically when many often when I say eight, eight is the last season, eight is the last season, HBO hasn't given up on hope of having some kind of spinoff show, even though Benny and Weiss have basically, every time they're asked about it said, you know, we are way too tired to think about that right now, guys. Um, like and, five years. yeah, you know, and the funny the, the reason, though, that I was actually, like, staring at the Twitter feed and not actually writing the article when David popped it in my face was that Blois... <laughs> no, Blois is a new president, right? So you would yeah. think that he would be prepared to be a- answering all these different questions about, like, his predecessors, you know, what his pre- you know how do you differ from your predecessor, right? Right, and right, right. one of the things they said is, so what do you think of the sexual violence against women in this show? Of course, of course. And he literally didn't have an answer. He, ha- yeah, he, had, not, he had not 
one of the tweets I saw was literally somebody going, he was not prepared for this. And they just went after him. And for the next, like, 20 minutes, every show that was brought up from the new Westworld to, um, to... I forget what the other one was. Oh, the night of. They basically just kept hammering at him. Like, you know, do you realize that your channel has this reputation? Do you have an opinion on this? Don't make jokes at us. Be serious. So, yeah. And here's my problem with that whole thing, and I don't want to linger on this at all, but here's my big problem with that is there's a lot of violence against men in this as well. I mean, let's, let's well, talk about Theon. Was, let's that talk was about... Blois's argument, except he said it kind of as a joke. Yeah, and Blase, and, and, and he got and, ambushed and, for and it, he too. Didn't, it, you know, that didn't... You can't be Blase about these questions when they come right. up. Whether or not you agree with them or not, the fact of the matter is, is that women make up quite a bit of the Game of Thrones audience. And right. if this is a concern, and though it wasn't a concern in season six, you know, in season five, it was a pretty big blow up. You know, if there's a pretty big blow up coming in season seven and he's on record for basically making jokes, it's not going to look good. Right. It will not look good at all. This will be a bad thing. So, so yeah, he I just I was really surprised that he I mean, his people had fed him all of the numbers. They would fed him all of the details that he needed to know. And they just forgot about this. Um, so, yeah, that that was pretty surprising. Um, but otherwise, I mean, honestly, I know we're all very sad about the news that, you know, season eight will be the last season. But I'm, I, I didn't actually I, I wrote it up, but I was like, this is not really news. We all knew this. <laughs> Yeah, and I will say this, though, as far as the Game of Thrones world goes, uh, the, or the, the world of A Song of Ice and Fire, it is vast. And I feel like, and I saw this comment um, in one of our comment sections, maybe in the article that you wrote, um, that there is, I think they've been setting us up for the prequels quite nicely with the, uh, the Tower of Joy storyline, uh, Rhaegar, Lyanna, Young Ned. Uh, the young Starks, I think they're setting us up quite nicely. If they decide to go in that, uh, like a Robert's Rebellion, or even um, the Targaryen's uh, conquest of the Seven Kingdoms, they could do that quite easily now. And my wife and I just got finished watching all six seasons again. We started right after uh, the finale of season six. We finished um, over the weekend. We finished all the way up to season uh, the finale of season six. So, uh... so we finished. we finished watching again. And I will tell you this. Um, it's 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 amazing, and the actors that played young Ned Stark and 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 Lyanna, they could bring they could easily bring them back in for the Robert's Rebellion and the the Tournament of the Hand and the False Spring, and they could really make make a good run of it, and people would be quite happy. But um, anyway, uh, I I want to talk real quick about um the 20 year anniversary of uh, Game of Thrones the book, and Corey Smith, you're a you're you're a book nerd like me, so I'll let you take this away because you you you've read the books quite a, quite a few times, and and I know Annie has too, but Annie Annie just got through pouring some knowledge on us from from the show. So Corey Smith, let's talk about the books a little bit. What does this mean to you for the twenty the twentieth anniversary of Game of Thrones? Yeah, I mean the book, the a book, Game of Thrones, the book. Um, you know, I, I was pouring over the kind of the promotional images of that tonight or this morning. I mean, and uh, I mean it looks like it'd be a nice little you know, kind of coffee table type book, um, you know, people can kind of flip through, um, you know, you start talking 20 years and you think, why the hell is he not done with this shit yet? But, you know, uh, it's neither here nor there. Um, you know, I've I read the, the series three times, 
all five books. I, I don't want to tell you how many times I've read it. I'm always looking for, uh, you know, another person to uh, kind of go through another read-through with me, and I was I was just considering doing a whole other one today. I was kind of holding off, hoping that I could time it with the release of Winds of Winter, but it I think we all. I think we all are. I think that yeah. that's kind of the yeah. goal is to do once. I mean, back when I was in college and the books came out, uh, you know, right before the third book came out, like you'd read book one and two. When right. the fourth book came yeah. out in two thousand five, I read one through four. Right. It's kind of a tradition. Yeah, and that's why you know it's kind of like, all right, do I want to start the series and then it you know comes out. You know, when I'm in the middle of book four or something like that, but um, and I, I don't know. Now it looks like wins. Who knows when it, you know, might actually end up being released. So. I read I, I read his blog post uh, today on Facebook. Yeah, and, I did too. And at the very bottom, at the very bottom of the post, it's like, and on 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 that note, as far as the other thing is concerned, I have no news on that front. Yeah. And I'm like, oh god damn you. Yeah. I, I mean, that's the whole reason I was reading that blog post. I mean, it was like. <laughs> I mean, was, let me just say, as a not book reader in ISIS, I don't know if you did you read the blog post or not. I did not read the post. Okay. It must I tried. have escaped me. Yeah, I, she doesn't read anything. Not even blog posts. I tried to read the blog post and was like, man, if this is how his writing style is, there's no way in hell I can yeah. read twenty thousand pages. Yeah. yeah, that's how it is. That's how it is. And about the third, you know, third or fourth read through of the books, you stop, you start skipping. You know, every time someone's eating, you just skip that. That's like three pages right there. Every meal, uh, you know, because he just he, you know, he describes the food, he describes how it's seasoned, uh, what they're having on the side, what oh they're my having God. drink, and it's just like, trenchers, trenchers. Did you have one of the first? No, one of the first big like blogs that spun off when the show started was called the uh, the end at the crossroads, and it was basically all the recipes. Yeah, yeah. See, and that's what I'm saying is like you know I wa- I read Outlander, which is an eight book series, and it's and it's very detailed, but it's not nearly as detailed as that. And I don't think I could I could do that. I don't I don't think well, I could sit there and read that. But and it's also you know I mean every character in the show I mean like you're you're on Greyjoy for example is two different three almost two or three characters in the books, so you've got two or three separate storylines that they streamlined into one on the show. So you've got just all kinds of shit going on that, you know, it's it's a huge spider web or, you know, whatever you want to call it. So even if you take out the fact that he's describing every single thing they eat every single meal of the day, you've got so many storylines. So it's, it is hard to kind of keep it streamlined, but it's quite a tapestry. Know. It is a tapestry. There you go. So, well, I tell you what, um, it's, it's, just it's shitty news, no matter what you think about it, because it's great that we got a 20-year anniversary and that his legacy's growing strong, like House Tyrell. But we still have no Winds of Winter, so I don't really care anymore, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, to me, it just seems like almost like a placeholder type thing. Like, hey, Winds of Winter's not done yet, but uh, here's this fancy new Game of Thrones, uh, you know, 20th anniversary edition with some pictures. I mean, like. There's nothing new coming out, so they're just kind of recycling stuff. Um, but that stuff sells really well. I mean, and it um, does. So just, I mean, I know why to, they do it, but I'm well, just to, saying. Like, yeah, to point out, like, because um, I do Potter as well. Right now, Cursed Child is number one. The illustrated edition of uh, Sorcerer's Stone is number three. Wow. Yeah. I and I'll tell you what, I saw a picture of Hodor from the from this Game of Thrones this twentieth edition. He looked very sexy. Hodor did not he look, look like, like a sexy young, you know, little like he looked like a Stark. Like yeah. a like a 
a beef beefed up like a sex pot, and I was like, oh my god. Anyway, um, let's let's move on from this news. Uh, uh, Annie, real quick before we go into our next topic, what is this Game of Thrones 2016 thing they got going on? Oh, okay. So, well, as we all know, um, well, actually, maybe we don't all know. As anybody who has to Google the words Game of Thrones every morning as part of their job knows, um, <laughs> it's every political thing that happens in the world now is compared to Game of Thrones. Literally every election, when the UK went through Brexit, people compared it to Game of Thrones. Um, when the whole Theresa May thing happened, people compared it to Game of Thrones. We've already had a whole video of basically Trump wandering around Westeros and people being horrified. So now Game of Thrones <laughs> basically as a promo for the Season 6 DVD, which you can download starting today, um, is a Vote GOT 16. <laughs> and it is it is it is pretty damn funny. But actually, what I was very impressed by is they used that very ending song of Danny coming across the sea with Drogon's theme. They used that last track as the track, and it actually it was startlingly effective. And my first thought is, why don't political ads use this kind of music? They should really hire the guy who does the Game of Thrones music to do political ads because I think I would enjoy them so much more if they Fraser, were. Like what's that. his name? Ramin Jawadi. Boom. Nailed it. <laughs> Boom. Nailed it. Nailed it. Hashtag nailed it. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Uh, and I know that uh, our winner's coming Twitter account is uh, pretty active and actively involved with that. Yeah. Because my because my uh, my iPad is blowing up constantly with uh, notifications from that all day long. Anyway, um, but that segues quite nicely into our next topic. Um, as we all know, um, at the end of season six, we had basically a shattered seven kingdoms, and <clears throat> that kind of left us with a. Uh, going into Season 7, A New War of the Five Kings. And what I'm talking about is we've got basically a non-gender-specific Five Kings out there now. We've got the Night King. We've got Cersei. We've got Danny, We've got Jon Snow in the North. And we've got Euron Greyjoy. That's five rulers that are sitting out there in the Seven Kingdoms ready to make their mark and try to be dominant for the Iron Throne or just basically for humanity. Of, of, of the world, basically, are the, the known seven kingdoms. So what we're going to do tonight uh, for Take the Black is each one of our panelists is going to represent one of the five kings or queens, and they're going to let us know if they think their, their character can take over the seven kingdoms or take over humanity, uh, as is the character of the Night King. So um, I'm going to represent Jon Snow in the north. Annie Bundle is going to represent uh, Cersei. Corythone, first of his name, is going to represent the Night King and the Army of the Dead because I know that he loves the Walking Dead so much that I gave him the Night King and, and, the, and the Army of the Dead. And <laughs> and I, uh, Isis is getting Danny and the Sand Snakes because she's uh, she, she <laughs> Isis is our Latin uh, our Latin love and she gets the Sand Snakes. <laughs> I'm not a pitchnole her all. And uh, Corey Smith. Is getting Euron Greyjoy because he's from Texas and he's low. <laughs> but <laughs> I think, but <laughs> I think the funny thing is, like he, he might have got a little bit offended when I said Smith was the bastard name in Texas, but it's okay. I'm from Arkansas, and the bastard name in Arkansas is Huckabee. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you didn't say Harris. Thank you, I appreciate that. 
uh, anyway, um, so I'm going to kick us off tonight with Jon Snow because the King of the North, the White Wolf, was crowned at the end of uh, Game of Thrones Season 6. And I'm just going to go ahead and say right now that I don't think the North's position at the end of Season 6 was very strong at all. First of all, House Stark's army was depleted. Um, several major houses were decimated by the end of Season 6. House Umber, um, gone. House Bolton, gone. House Karstark, gone, right? So we don't know uh, who's going to be leading those houses. We, we pretty much think the, the, arm, the forces from those houses were depleted. Um, house um, Mormont has 62 men, and how many of those men were died in the, in the, in the Battle of the Bastards? So the army uh, Not a damn the, one of them. <laughs> their, their shield made it into their shield made it into uh, Winterfell, so some That's of them true. survived. Some, some of them survived, but I mean, I, you have to imagine some of them died. House Stark, uh, like I said, we don't know how many actually men of House Stark are even survived season one, let alone to season six. Um, so, you know, Jon Snow's army of wildlings and patchwork men of the North. You just don't know how many men yet. You do have House Manderley, which, according to the show, represents quite a large force. Um, uh, Kerwin and and so you have and House um, uh, what's the House Glover? They represent another large force apparently. But there's just not enough men out there for the for for the North to be dominant by themselves. They do, however, have the veil on their sides. If they can, if Littlefinger can be taken out of the way. And Bronze Jan Royce can take over the Knights of the Vale, and since he supports John because he was raising his sword and saying King of the North, and support John, then you have the Knights of the Vale on John's side. Then he can, then you do have a little bit of power behind John. So I do say if you get the Knights of the Vale behind John, you do have a little bit of power behind him, and then he do, he is a little bit stronger. But right now, as far as the North, it is without the Knights of the Vale. I don't think John's very strong as a king. I don't think their their position is very powerful, and I'm gonna I'm gonna hand this off to Corey Thone because right now in my backyard I've got the Night King breathing down my back. So Corey Thone, as a Night King and the Walking Dead, I'm gonna ta- I'm gonna hand it over to you. Ugh. Ugh. All right. <laughs> so first off, I guess Jon Snow is gonna crawl under a dumpster, and that's how he'll survive. <laughs> I'm not Glenn, first of all. All right. So. I took. I made notes. You told me to tell you why the White Walkers would win, uh, yeah. and, and take over. Uh, I think that the the three things that uh, represent, um, I don't know, regime change, whatever you want to call it. I think it would probably mirror what happened when Robert and Ned and, and uh, John Aaron took took down the Targaryens. The three things that you need are time, opportunity, and motive, and those three things. Uh, two of those things I would say the White Walkers and, and uh, the, the Night's King have lots of. First off, time. Uh, how many thousands of years <laughs> have they been planning this? Uh, a long-ass time. That's a long time of, of getting dead bodies up north from wildlings and from uh, crows. That's a lot of free babies that were given to them by the creepy guy there. Impressive. Yeah, that guy. Um, and it's a lot of time to to plan this. I mean, we saw John and Tormund and Davos planning, you know, the night before, imagine 5,000 years of that. So, or however many thousands, I don't know how many thousand years. 
I'm not Thousands a, I'm not years. a book reader, man. So uh, long ass time, right? Opportunity is the second thing, and this is where that's scientific long ass long ass time. I believe that that's the cosine of pi. So there's <laughs> the opportunity is the big one for the Night's King. Uh, the Night's Watch first off is in shambles. There there's yes. nothing. I mean, it's there's how many of them left? Maybe a couple hundred. They're, like 50, right? Yeah, I mean, like, I, mean like I think 50 people there. I think that they're always like they show like 50 at the wall and you're supposed to kind of maybe multiply that by like two or three maybe just because they can only fit so many people on that set, you know. So, so we'll just say 200. Right? So there's 200 people there and they're made up of rapists and bandits, you know, people that, that were sent to the wall as punishment, not people that volunteered to go to the wall. Uh, you know, aside from the guy who everybody likes, who's in charge right now, there's not really anybody. Ed. Ed, yeah, there's not a lot of people. And John, left. John just John just hanged your best warrior. Yeah, he really did. Uh, Ollie, he was a great shot. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the magic, right? The magic that the wall has that was put there to keep the White Walkers out. It's magic, not the wall itself that keeps them out. Uh, magic is basically gone. The children of the forest are gone. The giants are gone. The people that know how to control that kind of magic are gone. And the only thing left that we've seen is the actual magic in the wall, and we've seen that like that children of the forest, whatever the hell kind of magic, can be defeated by Bran's Night's King tattoo. So, right. you know, the, the big assumption is when Bran crosses the wall, the magic's going to stop. Whatever, fine. Mm -hmm. All right, so not just... Not just that opportunity, the fact that the Night's Watch is, is nothing and that the magic that was used to build it is basically gone and nobody knows how to use it. The Seven Kingdoms themselves have are going to be torn apart from battle, especially once right. Danny gets there. I mean, what armies are going to be left after the massive – you have the Battle of the Bastards that wiped out all those people you talked about, Razor. We're about to have uh, Cersei and King's Landing take on Danny and the Tyrells and all that Shit, that's, you mean you mean you mean Annie versus ISIS? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Annie versus ISIS, and so I mean, if the two parties, if the the survivors from the north and the, the winners from the south team up to take on the Night's King, that's their best shot. And do we actually think that they'll be able to do that before it's too late? Nobody believes in the White Walkers anymore. So John, John being like, no, you don't understand. We we and it's like nobody's gonna listen to him, right? And and last lastly for motive, that's the one thing we don't really know about the White Walkers, and I think that that's important because just like Littlefinger said, uh, you, once your enemy knows your true motive, then you know you don't have as much power over them anymore. Nobody knows what the White Walkers want. They didn't ask to be born. They didn't ask to be there. But by God, if they're going to be there, they're going to rule it. And mankind is destructive. And the Night's King, I think, sees an opportunity to get south and take over all of Westeros, all right? And then you start adding in the intangibles to this situation. Is that, mm -hmm. For example, is the Night King a Stark, right? Ooh. I mean, that's something I've Ooh. seen people talk about. I think it's, it's, it's people talking about um, whatever, whatever leader of the Night's Watch he would have been, like the third one or some shit from hundreds and thousands of years ago. Um, right, right. If he's a Stark, is he... Out for vengeance for his family? Does he remember being alive? Does he remember being a Stark? Is he still pissed off that the Starks like have been betrayed over and over again by different people? And also, Damn. another question I have is why in the hell would the Seven Kingdoms, even if she, even if Danny wins in King's Landing, why would they unite behind Danny? 
especially after she lays waste to everything with her dragons. The realm of men will have torn itself apart, and that's when the White Walkers will come through. They'll resurrect all the dead from these big battles. They'll storm the south and bring on the endless winter until four precocious British children discover a broom closet and a fond named Cumnus, <laughs> and they'll come through. <laughs> I will say, I will say that before anybody else talks, I've already wrote down the reasons that you're going to – I'm going to eight-mile this. Here's what you're going to say about the White Walkers, why you won't win, and I'll tell you why this bullshit. Danny's dragons. Oh, she has three dragons, right? Well, White Walkers can't be stopped by fire. We've shown that. And they can, they can only be killed by Valyrian steel, which only like four people have, or obsidian, which nobody has. Like triple snap. The only bag of obsidian uh, that we've uh, seen on the show was left at Hardhome. Uh, because, quadruple snap. Yeah. What, what was that? Snapback. Hold on. Hit me with snapback. <laughs> Red okay. bottle, Corey Smith. So, but the thing that you're forgetting with the dragons is they don't breathe fire like I light a fire with a torch and a match. They breathe dragon fire. And so they, they talk about that the obsidian is made from dragon fire, that it comes from the earth, which is where the dragons come from. So I think, as far as the dragons go, I think that they're going to prove to be not necessarily the ultimate weapon, but they're going to prove to be a very effective weapon against the White Walkers because... Magic versus magic. Right, sure. because, right because they're not just regular old fire, they're dragon fire. They talk about a ton of times dragon flame, dragon flame. Okay. And, the, and, and, and the, I actually have an answer to that. Okay. I have snap. a double-sided answer. I'm going to snap back or snap back here. All right? Let's, let's hear it. <laughs> because, it, first off, this is the show, not the book. They haven't talked about any of that shit. That's just fire coming out of their mouth until somebody tells me different. And then, secondly, ice dragon, bitch. Oh. You and I both know there's an ice dragon in that wall. This is the kind of shit that I read about whenever I'm looking up White Walker stuff. Maybe I should read the books because this ice dragon sounds dope. You mean they're not so fast? Double, double, not so fast, my friend. Talk about the show. They've never mentioned an ice dragon on the show. Yeah, you're, you're right. You're right. And that's if fair. they have that's an fair. ice dragon, that I'll, I'll probably lose my shit. I'll probably shit my pants. <laughs> if an ice dragon comes up out of the wall, I'll I'll lose my mind. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> and, and it's like, that's just something, like, I, I honestly, I think you have a good point with dragon fire being different than real fire, but I will say that I also think that there are some tricks. We haven't seen shit from the Night's King. We've seen them literally walk through fire and raise the dead. We don't know how they fight. We don't know if they can fly. We don't know any of their shit, right? So so we don't know what they can do. And the last thing, and then I'll stop, and I'm going over. Uh, somebody, okay. somebody uh, Razor, I guess you would bring up Azora High, right? Uh, <laughs> yes. Jon Snow or Danny or whoever. Uh, the Night's King has already showed that they don't give a shit about alliteration-based superheroes. Uh, uh, Azora <laughs> High and the Night's King met at Hardhome. Right, and it didn't yeah. go well for Double A Arn Anderson Azora High. <laughs> the Night King. What you gonna do? Yeah, the Night King is not gonna give a shit about some prophecy from some red bitch. He is going to hop on his zombie ice horse and ride south. The second that that wall goes down, it's over. And they're gonna come down. He's gonna be sitting on an iron throne, and his ass is gonna get stuck to it because that's what happens when you put something on metal cold touching your skin. <laughs> And then, so like the Christmas yeah, story. Yeah, basically that's gonna happen. Yeah, gonna gonna he's gonna he's gonna stick his ass on the Iron Throne, like like a triple do, triple dog dare. Exactly. And it, okay, and the, last, I got and you. the last scene is gonna the last scene is gonna be Danny bringing uh, a a bowl 
of hot water that her dragon, who was in chains, heated up for her to pour out of ass <laughs> to get him out of the chair. And that's how the show Okay. Goes. So, okay. So I, 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 I tend to agree with Corey as far as I figure when the Night's King gets south of the wall, and I, I got to call him the Night's King. I'm sorry. I can't call him Night King. Anyways, uh, I figure he's going to just, I think he's going to fuck everything up for a long time, all the way down to King's Landing. How can he not? Right. I mean, I, look at his arm. Yeah, I, I figure he's going to get really far really fast because I, th- I think you touched on it, Razor. I don't think that the North is in much of a shape to stop him. Um, they were never the most populous of the Seven Kingdoms to begin with. I think they were the only the second least only to Dorne. Um, so I figure they're going to get they're going to get south of the wall fast and they're going to get south of the wall hard. And I think we'll get treated to that scene. Um, back from season two that where Danny's walking through the throne room and it's, mm. it's covered in snow. So, so you think it's snow, not ash. Yeah. I mean, in the books, it's explicitly said to be snow. So I, okay. I'm, I'm assuming that it's going to be the same. Um, I mean, either way, I guess you could, you know, maybe Cersei burns down and it's ash, but I'm assuming it's snow. I think that when they Good get, I, I don't see them just getting south of the wall and that being it, you know? Right. I mean, we, right. we built towards it, so they've really got to make an impact, and they've got to. It's got to go, you know, pretty far south and pretty quickly, um, considering as many episodes as we have left. So, uh, I agree with Corey. I think when he gets south, he's well, going to fuck shit up really quick. What we do know for a fact, show base wise, is Bruce Bolton made a comment in at the end of season four when, before the Boltons took over Winterfell, he said he told Ramsay that. Uh, so this is show knowledge. Book, book readers already knew this, but show knowledge, the North is the largest area of the Seven Kingdoms. Right. So um, despite the fact that Littlefinger tends to warp all over the map and Arya can travel at, at the blink of an eye, um, the North, uh, the way, if, if the show wanted to, they could make the Night King and his army travel a little bit longer through the North. Um, they have to go through... Moat Kalen in the neck, right? Right. To get south. Right, but Moat so Kalen is not is not impenetrable from the north. It's, it's only from the south that it's hard to get past. Right, right. Anyways. But if Jon Snow, if Jon Snow wanted to be a tactical commander, I know he said he wanted Winterfell in season six. He said we have to get Winterfell as a, as a as a headquarters. But um, the Night King doesn't need to go by Winterfell. He can just go. He can break through the wall and go straight towards uh, King's You've Lake. actually made my last point for me, is that he has no desire. I, and the, the, the Iron Throne thing was a joke, but he has no desire for that throne. Yeah, I don't think so either. And, and, I, and, I don't, and that's the thing. I don't know what his desire is. And that's the only reason I can't tell you. And, and the, book, the book guys might have a better idea than I do, but from where I'm looking, it's almost like he's, he's pissed off to exist. Yeah, I think he's just mad that he exists. And he's going to use his powers to get back at the people that created him. I think he just wants to kill everyone and everything. I don't think he's after – he's not after ruling. I don't think he's after, you know, gold or whatever you want to call glory, anything. I I think he's so, like you said, pissed off. He just wants to wipe everybody out. And I think that's what he's going to try to do. Now, the show – again, this is the show thing again. The show showed us that the children of the forest made the White Walkers as as something to fight men, right? The right. first men, so, of which the, the first, Starks the first are descended. Okay. 
cool. So, well, I mean, okay. I think maybe they're just still wanting to kill their, their primary target. What is it from Terminator? The primary uh, goal or whatever is still just kill humans. So, yeah, yeah and he, they, they, they made the Night King and the, and the White Walkers to kill the first man, but they had to make him out of the first man. The first man to kill the first man. So, so but we also one of us, one of us. We also know that uh, there's only been three people on the show to kill a White Walker: uh, Mira Reed, Samuel Tarley, and Jon Snow. So there you go. So um, anyway, moving on. I want to hear from Isis, who represents Danny and her massive conglomerate of a uh, of an army. So uh, Isis, what do you got for us? How do you think Danny? Where is she going to land, and who's she going to start with? Okay, I would like to start off with, as an advocate for Daenerys Targaryen, Breaker of Chains, hailed as the Unburnt, Queen of the Andals. Drop it on Queen of Marine, Khaleesi of the Great Grass Sea, Mother of Dragons, heir to the Iron Throne. Uh, what hey, she, man. What will not break, uh, what will break. Uh, she she's going to go ahead and do it. And I feel like she has the best opportunity to go ahead and win the Iron Throne. Um, you know, her platform is uh, about freedom in the known world, rebuilding the dragon population, uniting Essos and Westeros, female empowerment, and uh, restoring her divine right to the Seven Kingdoms. Woo! So she has enough assets uh, to go ahead and... And, and actually win, and I'm going to tell you why. She has the Dothraki army, the nomadic horsemen. She's got about like forty thousand of those guys. Uh, she's got some unsullied who can just freaking wipe shit out. I mean, granted they had some problems there um, at Marine, but uh, I think things are going to get a little bit better uh, for the unsullied. They they have a focus. They have something that they're working towards. Yeah, put uh, them in marching position. They'll do better than in patrolling position. A- absolutely. Uh, she's got three dragons. Well, fuck me. She's got three dragons. I mean, <laughs> who else has got some fucking dragons? Uh, I-, I would also like to say that she has Tyrion and Varys. And those are two very important people because she's got Tyrion, who is directly right next to her, giving her really great advice, making sure that she doesn't turn into the Mad Queen, okay? Uh, As the Targaryens are known, her, uh, I believe it was what, her uncle? Yeah. No. It was her, it was her brother. Her Her brother. No, her, her father, father. The yeah, her father was the Mad King. Um, so I believe that uh, with Tyrion right next to her, that's going to be great. Varys, the 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 uh, the spider is going to be playing in the background, uh, moving pieces around to make sure that they are in place. Uh, you know, getting those bitches in formation and uh, making the great Targaryen restoration is what you're saying. Well, exactly. This is essentially what it is. And, uh, you know, Jorah Mormont, he may come into play a little bit later. He's in long term disability right now. Uh, but <laughs> once he can get over his Westerosi AIDS, uh, I think that, you know, he could be a key um, in. He's going to take a cocktail. <laughs> he could be key in there. But right now he's on long term disability and we don't know when he'll be coming back into play but Barry's playing along uh with you know in the in the background moving all these these pieces around to get him right where he needs them to be uh she Danny also has all those boats uh that she got um from uh uh the Tyrells the, and Dorne. Uh, the, 
Tyrell, the Dorn. No, she also got uh, the other girl. And the slavers. And the slavers. No. No, it's the Ironborn. The Ironborn. Thank you. Oh, and Ironborn. Yeah, yeah you got like Ironborn. four different. I'm people sorry. Yeah, I was just I'm like, sorry. that's not. Who I didn't mean to. About. I didn't mean to take you off track. No, I apologize. No, no, no. no. So, um, so I feel like she has transportation. The logistics are there for her to be to be able to go ahead and and bring this army over uh, where she needs it. Now, what she needs to do is to go ahead and strategically locate where she wants this army, so that way she can get it close enough to Westeros, um, also so that way she can ma- make a campaign uh, to it. Now, I think. As far as, you know, getting strategically placed somewhere, she also needs to do something else that she didn't get to do in Meereen. And she needs to change the hearts and minds of the people in Westeros to come to her. Now, her, I should say, Tyrion's recruitment of this Red Priestess actually might come into play. And if they're able to go ahead and now that um, the uh, the six is gone, I think that they could she could lay some groundwork to where she can win over the hearts and mind and really show that uh, that Danny is really the true queen um, and and not who is in there right now, which is Cersei and and all the atrocities that Cersei did. So I think that it's going to be key uh, that the Red Priestess is going to kind of kind of work in their favor um, and and good on Tyrion for bringing her on, even when Varys said, no, I don't think that we should do this. Um, But I believe this is something that Tyrion had a long game um, thinking from this season to go ahead and bring uh, somebody in to go ahead and bring those, uh, the hearts, win over the hearts and minds. Now, where she's going to land. I've actually done some research because I don't like to, you know, not know what the fuck I'm talking about. (laughs) <laughs> so even though some people who listen to the podcast think I do that. So this is this is what my uh this is what I think. I have I have three things, okay? Now, uh I think that Storm's End, which is a um Stannis stronghold or was a stronghold for Stannis, uh would be a, a really good landing spot. It would also give those Dothraki um, time to, you know, kind of stretch their legs out, get them kind of moving and motivated mm-hmm. to go ahead and make that uh, assault over um, to King's Landing. I think. Can I interject something really no, quick when you say that? Not. Uh, really quick. I like, uh, I'm supporting your theory here. I like that you say Storm's in because you're almost right at the point where uh, a, a book character lands in the books, uh, the Griffs. They land near Storm's End, and they want to take over Storm's End in the books. So I like your theory. Keep going. Okay, Keep going. I like so it. I think that uh, that would be really good to, to be able to go ahead and come through Storm's End, let your um, your horsemen, your Dothraki, you know, kind of get their, their you know, legs with under them because they've been on a boat and shit. Um, I'm on a boat! I'm on a boat with some flippy flops, and so... I think that's probably the best thing that they can do. Um, maybe go ahead and stage the the naval um, somewhere a little bit closer to King's Landing, but you know, drop off them, drop the the army off at Storm's End, and then kind of meet somewhere. Uh, this would also give a a chance uh, for the um, High Garden to maybe rush over to um, uh, Casterly Rock and 
intercept them because that's the only other army that I could see coming to go ahead and fight for Cersei. So if they can go ahead and intercept uh, the 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 army that may come over from Casterly Rock, uh, that would give them some time as well. The other uh, entry point that I could see is um, Pentos, Pentos Free City, which is actually across. And um, this is where Danny was living bef- when the story started, when we started watching Game of Thrones. So uh, that would be a really great place to go and kind of sit at and wait until those Red Priestess can kind of work their magic um, in King's Landing. So that would be another great place. And then the other uh, place that would be a little bit closer to King's Landing would be uh, Dragonstone, was a, uh, which was a Targaryen home. Um, that's what I read. Uh, that it was a Targaryen home. Uh, <laughs> again, I did that's, research. That's, that's where they land. That's where the Targaryens land. Yes. So, uh, so that I would, I could see her, especially wanting to be able to go back to something that was hers, to her, you know, that was part of her family, um, and maybe go ahead and stage out of there. Uh, waiting for the uh, maybe the Red Priestess and Varys to kind of work their magic in King's Landing and then bring their naval ships over to King's Landing to lay waste. So those are my three, you know, kind of things that I could see happening. Um, I don't see the Hound getting involved at this point. I think, if anything, he's probably going to go to the north, especially if he finds out, finds out that uh, um, that uh, Sansa's up there. And uh, I believe that if for some reason Jamie says, all right, Bra- I'm not going to kill my sister, but Braun, any allegiance that you had to us is over. I could absolutely see Braun saying, well, fuck this. I'm going back to Tyrion and I will follow Tyrion wherever he goes. He doesn't care as long as he's on the winning side. And so, um, I mean, I think he cares about Jamie, but I, you know, I think that it goes only so far, and he's out to save his own ass. So I see that uh, Braun could be a great asset um, to uh, to Tyrion. And, you, and you, think, you think Braun's coming back over to, to Tyrion? I, I really do, and the reason why is again because he wants to save his own ass, and then Tyrion's going to bring him back because, well, one because. I mean, who else is he going to joke with? You know, it's not going to be Masande and fucking Grey Worm. Uh, at least, you know, freaking, you know, they get each other. And then not only that, um, but he was he was the last person that was in King's Landing. So they'll they'll have a lot of uh, situational I actually think Jamie, I actually think Jamie's coming back over. I think Jamie's coming back to Tyrion. But that we can talk about that later. Yeah. But that that's that. There you go. That's what I got. Great job, Isis. I, I honestly. Great job, yeah. Isis. I'm actually proud of the the legwork you did there. I want to hear from your opponent in this war and in this great debate, Cersei, represented by Annie. Oh. Annie, what do you think about your opponent? Oh well, okay. What do I think about my opponent? I think that I really like Isis's ideas of Pentos or Dragonstone. I think both of those are really smart. One of the things that's been bothering me since we saw that um, season seven promo of all the props is the idea that Cersei would be planning an attack on Danny if she's landing down in Dorne. That didn't make any sense to me, but it makes a lot more sense if. Danny is parked in Dragonstone or in Pentos right across the way. Like, then I could suddenly see Cersei actually having, like, a destination that she could go to and plan an army and travel towards. Um, 
now I, I'm like you when it comes to John. When you you defend your your character is John Snow, and you're like John is screwed. You know, I, I got to be honest. I mean, we know Cersei is screwed. I mean, right. look at her sworn house list. I mean, most of these people are dead. They are runaway, or they are useless. I think House Clegane <laughs> is one of the very few. And what is he? He's a he's a zombie. I mean, you know. We house pain. I mean, Podrick is with Jamie, or no, Podrick. Podrick is with Brienne, right? Right. Like mm-hmm. we have, you know, the the Westerlings aren't even in the show. I mean, most of these houses, when you look at the list, most of these guys have been like either taken out or they never existed on the show. So there's that. There's the fact that Cersei is basically the Donald Trump of Westeros. <laughs> I mean, she is thin-skinned, she is vain, she is quick to she she if there were Twitter, she would be attacking her Twitter enemies 140 <laughs> characters at a time. Um I mean, just have blonde hair. You know, it's just uh, at least Cersei's hair is better than Trump's. And you know, if she had a tanning bed, she'd be tanning every. Oh day yeah, too. I mean, no, I really do think that she is basically screwed. Um, she basically she's destroyed an entire quarter of King's Landing, um, most of which was the Tony neighborhood of Siba, um, which was a lot of people who had a lot of money and had a lot of food and had a lot of no things that they need. One of the things about winter is that you have to you have to huddle down. You know, mm-hmm. it's snowing. Right. There's no growing season. You people have to eat, right? Especially when it lasts five or ten years, like it does in Westeros. Yeah, and that's and actually she, one of the reasons. She wastes wine. Yeah, she wastes a lot of wine. She, wine. she wastes everything. She doesn't just waste <laughs> wine. She wastes food. She wastes people. She needs to get it together, and she is not. Um, Jamie has come back, and you know, I know everybody says that the Val. I'm going to mispronounce this because I've only ever read it. Valonquar. Come on. Valonqar? That. Um, everybody says it's going to be Tyrion is the brother who's going to kill her. No. It's oh, not. it's Jamie. It's Jamie. Because he was technically born a few seconds after. Yes, her. and he is going. He is going to be the one to kill her, not Tyrion. Um, so her her murderer is basically there watching her in the shadows at this point, and she has no idea. Um, I do believe she will attempt to call up Bannerman, whatever is left of this list of houses, when uh, Danny arrives. Um, and that's why I really like the idea of Dragonstone because I think Dragonstone is a really good target for her to aim for. Um, I think that she won't get nearly what she thinks she will. Um, I love the idea of somebody going around her back end and taking out, you know, Lannisport. Um, Mm. I honestly think that I like the idea of the Red Priestesses coming and uh, now that the Sept is down, you know, preaching this new religion because, you know, the Seven Gods have basically been defeated. Um, So that's not a bad idea. That really was a great idea, Isis. I really I really like that, too. I honestly think that that, if that's not in the show, I'm actually going to be kind of disappointed now. Um, Because, (laughs) no, because it it also gives Cersei an extra target that she shouldn't be attacking, but she will. And who else? Who else do we know is riding south? What other weird priestess? Do we, we know, know that Melisandre is riding south, yeah. but I do actually, honestly, with her, I think she's going to run into the Hound, and she's going to run into that whole Arya. And that she's no, honestly, I don't think she's going to run into Arya at first. I think she's going to run into the Hound and company, and I think it's going to turn her around and send her back north. And then I uh, think that's how she's going to run into Arya. But okay. um, I don't think she's going to make it all the way down to King's Landing. But the okay. thing about Cersei is that she is, you know. One of the very few things left that's on the page is Cersei when she was finally ruling 
King's Landing alone. And that was part of uh, A Feast for Crows. Um, they kind of skipped over it and changed it around, but there's still scenes from that, especially with the with the with the maid who or the lady's maid who basically seduces her and winds her around her finger, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's some other stuff like some stuff w- could actually happen now, like Braun basically marrying a lady and then suddenly basically taking out her house and taking all of her money. Stokeworth. Yeah, the Stokeworth. Like a lot of those plots Dollar. could now. A lot of those plots could now at least be referenced or at least happen in passing um, in the next few episodes as we see her fall into debauchery. One of the most striking scenes from uh, Feast for Crows for me is the one where she realizes that she's gotten as fat and drunk as Robert. Well, she doesn't realize it, but the uh, the reader realizes that she's become as fat and drunk as Robert. Yeah, because she's eating whole uh, whole like and I, pigeons and uh, chickens. I am and shit. I, I am curious to see if the show will even go there and use those scenes, but they are there on the table for them to use. If they chose, which would basically show Cersei, you know, being useless, and you know, she won't even, I honestly don't think she will ever truly face Danny. I think Danny will get there, and Cersei will already have been defeated. Wow, um, okay. And I think that what will happen is Jamie will take out Cersei before Danny gets there. Why? Wasn't, and what... wasn't Jamie the original in the original script of Game of Thrones? Wasn't Jamie the one that took the Iron Throne by killing his entire family and everybody else? Yes, because at first Cersei didn't exist, and basically he split the character of Jamie into Jamie and Cersei. Um, so that's also a possibility that Danny and Tyrion could walk up and find a a a broken, enraged, slightly insane Jamie Lannister sitting on the throne. That is absolutely a thing that could happen. Wow. Um, okay. So yeah, th- these are things um, that I I th- I don't see Cersei surviving this season. I I definitely think this is Lena Headey's last season on the show. Wow. So that would be an amazing. I, I can't wait. If that happens, uh, I know we're going to be fighting over who does that curtain call. Oh, no, I got it. <laughs> oh, no, I have that curtain call. I know you do. I know. I, 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 I will, even if I'm not writing for WIC anymore, I will come back and do that curtain call. I bow, I, I bow to your writing on that one. Uh, Corey Smith, I'm going to let you uh, – to wrap out this one, I'm going to let you bring up uh, a possible ally, a possible, in my opinion, ally to Cersei. Um, she says she's the Donald Trump of, 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 of the Seven Kingdoms, uh, but a lot of people think that Euron Greyjoy is the, is the Donald Trump of the Seven Kingdoms. What do you got for us, buddy? Yeah, I mean, you know, Euron, I think, is the, you know, kind of the wild card in all this because, you know, he says he wants to take the Seven Kingdoms, he wants to rule. That's, that was his whole speech, you know, back at the, the King's Moot, back on the Iron Islands. And, and he wants to give everybody his big cock. Right, and... Call me crazy, but I think that might actually You're crazy. work. I'm, You're... I think that I think that's just the right kind of crazy to work on Cersei. If he walks yeah. into the to the throne room and is like, "Yo, I got a big fleet, I got a big cock," let's, walk up, you know, <laughs> let's walk do up something. Step, like, what up? I got a big cock. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like a rap song. That right? sounds yeah, like something back. Cersei would fall for, especially because she, you know, she's kind of moved away from Jamie a bit. I mean, they kind of reunited a little bit this past season, but obviously they're you know going to drive a you know a wedge. That in between would be them. the wedge that gets driven between right. them. Right. And you know, I mean, especially if you know, we don't know how this is all going to play out exactly, but if I assume some sort of word is going to get to either Euron or somebody else in the Seven Kingdoms that uh, that Danny's coming, 
you know, like maybe they don't take it seriously, but at least something's going to trickle down to, to Cersei. And if Euron's like, trickle down economics. Right. And if, and if Euron's like, yo, there's a big fleet coming. I got a big fleet. You don't got a husband. I don't got a wife. I want the iron throne. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's almost, it's almost too simple to work on the show. So it, you know, we don't know if that's actually what's, how it's going to go. Um, and, you know, the other thing is Euron's a lot like Cersei, where he seems to be purely driven by power and by emotion. And, you know, if he, his goal was to go and seduce Danny, and now his niece and nephew have if not physically done that, but, you know, politically. They blocked him. Right. They they cock, they sure did. They right. cock blocked him. Politically, <laughs> politically, they cock blocked him without a cock between them. And um, an impressive feat. An impressive feat. <laughs> and so I could definitely see Euron being like, all right, you know, let me team up with Cersei and let's kill all these people because now, you know, he wanted the Seven Kingdoms. Marrying Cersei or at least aligning with her would be a faster way to accomplish that. So, you know, it's almost, like I said, it's almost too easy for show producers to do it. And then, you know, if Cersei goes down, Euron goes down with her, and, you know, and that kind of kills two birds with one stone as far as the, the whole plot goes. So, I don't know. I, I don't see Euron one way or another lasting very long. Even if he doesn't team up with Cersei, the, the other option I see him is him just going straight at Danny with his thousand ships from the Iron Islands. And do we really believe he can build a thousand ships? No, I mean, like... Well, who the hell knows? I mean, it, but it, it all depends on how much time we jump in between seasons, because... You know, this past season, we obviously didn't jump more than just a few moments uh, between season five and six. But, you know, if they if they want to say, hey, you know, it's been six months and everybody was kind of licking their wounds. You know, John's up in the north kind of consolidating. Cersei's kind of figuring stuff up down in King's Landing. You know, if they jump six months, that means they have to land Danny somewhere. They, she's got to have an army situated somewhere. Right. They, they have to put her at Dragonstone or somewhere in the Seven Kingdoms. Right. They gotta. They gotta have armies moved around. They have to have skirmishes already happening. But they, so. it, by the same token, they could have Euron have the ships. You know. Yeah, they could have it built. Yeah, and maybe remember, it's not a thousand, but it's close. You know. And remember, it's snowing. That's true. Winter. That's right. There's a reason that we're having a late season. So right. So, I mean, the other option other than teaming up with Cersei is Euron just goes straight at. Uh, Danny, you know, figures out his niece and nephew have taken, you know, what he saw as his prize and just goes straight at him with his ships and tries to take him out. And I imagine it would go not very well. There might, Poorly. There might, right, there might be some casualties as far as, you know, named characters that we know in the, in the battle. And the, again, that's the one thing we haven't really seen in the show. Um, I mean, we've, we kind of saw it with the Battle of Blackwater, but that wasn't two navies fighting each other. That was essentially Stannis, you know, sailing into a trap, yeah. um, like he always seemed to do. But we've not really seen a naval right. Battle. So that could be a, definitely a, a kind of a highlight of, of season seven. You know, something we hadn't seen before because they all always try and seem to go for something like that. So I could definitely see them him just going straight at Danny and going up in flames. Um, maybe takes out um, you know either Yar or, or Theon before he goes. But I definitely. I mean, he's not long for this world. He's too. We've already we've already seen Danny's dragons take out right. 
uh, an armada. Right. She took out the, the slaver ships that she wanted to take out. Right. So we know what we know what her dragons can do, and they basically chopped ships in half with their fire. But right. right. So like, yeah. if he decides to take her on in open water, he's going down. Well, there's the, no way. But the the only thing I would say for that is is that if you know if you do the math, if he has anywhere close to the thousand ships he has, even if let's say conservatively at seven fifty. Danny's only got, I think, what was the count? Something like uh, two hundred or something like that, because they said that was well. That was the slavers and the Ironborn. We didn't count the Tyrells and the Dorn. Right, Dorn but ships. I mean, neither one of them are known for having big navies. I mean, most of the coastline of Dorn. Uh, Ty- no, no the Reach has the Reach the Re- has a large. That's navy. true. Okay, so you know, but either way, I think that the numbers would be on Euron's side at least to the point where he could. Do some damage before he goes out. I don't. In fact, in fact, the Reach is known for having the only navy that can compare to the Iron Bull. Through the ar- right, the Arbor. I say it reaches quite a distance. <laughs> uh, zing. Zing. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, I, I I think he would have enough numbers where he could do s- some damage to Danny before he gets taken out, even by the dragons. But other than that, I don't think he has a long term. You know goal and I don't think he has a long term lifespan. So Danage. Well let me ask Danage. you a question. I have a question and this is again I'm I'm not a book reader, but is there any way that he can get from the pike over and I, I see and I'm looking at maps. Um the there is like there's a little bit of, of land in between where it goes from the pike this- and then it goes and it looks like you can go ahead and sail all the way around Right catch Danny through. in the rear? Oh, what? I went there. Yeah, um, yes, catch her in the rear. Um, in, in the wow. rear of Dragonstone, a matter of fact. Well, it wouldn't make much sense because the the fastest way would be just to sail south down and around Dorne and then Danny. Um, uh, realistically, they probably meet somewhere in the step zones, um, which is kind of the – there's a kind of an island chain in between uh, Dorne and the south of Essos, mm-hmm. so that's where I think most people assume that they'll they'll meet. Um, if, if he does get if Danny does get all the way up to Dragonstone, which is right next to King's Landing, um, you know that would be kind of that'd be a long way for Euron to sail as well because he'd have to sail basically around most of the continent. He'd have to sail. To answer, to answer Isis's question though. Um, the Ironborn are known for sailing up and down the coast right. and reaping and raping and pillaging. So they have been known to sail both ways up and down the coast, and it wouldn't be out of the norm. And plus, this is the show. I mean, you know, to suspend all belief and logic, they would just say, yeah, here's a direct route, go this way. I don't uh, think, yeah. And, and re- realistically, there's nothing militarily to be gained from, a, from going that far around. I mean, she'd see you coming either way. You know what I mean? At sea, so... Well, listen, listen. We're we're almost to the end of the podcast, and I will say this. Although everybody has given a great uh, uh, a great speech or whatnot for each of their characters, and even though Annie and I both have said our, our, partic- our particular characters, we don't think they have a strong um, position in this in this war. Even though Jon Snow could be aligned with Danny at some point, and even though we, we all believe that he might represent... Um, ice in the Song of Ice and Fire or whatnot. Um, 
I don't think he right now holds a strong position as as the king of the north. Not yet. Um, we all know it's Danny. Danny holds the strongest position. She has three dragons. She has the largest army. She has Unsullied. She has Dothraki screamers. She has Dorne. She has Ty- Tyrells. She has uh, everything she needs to be successful. And I like Isis's theory of the religious uh, aspect, um, taking over the hearts and minds of the people. That's a great theory, Isis, and I really hope that works out. Taking over Dragonstone. Think about it. Um, going home. Going home is what Danny's always wanted to do, right? So going home to Dragonstone, where the Targaryens first landed when they came to the Seven Kingdoms, like Aegon the Conqueror, when he took over the Seven Kingdoms, branched out from. That would be an amazing uh, place to start. It's and also so, the last yeah. place she was in. She sailed from Dragonstone to Essos. She, that's why she is the Stormborn. She was born amidst the storm from Dragonstone. So there you go. So uh, that would be amazing. It would be great to see that happen. And um, we all know we have, even though it could be a war of five kings, the the greatest positions here is the Night's King and Danny. And whether or not Jon Snow aligns himself with Danny, whether or not Cersei and Euron align themselves and get wiped out or not, it's going to be ultimately a war of the living against the dead in the end. So um, anybody else have anything to add before we wrap this fantastic podcast up? Uh, they, need to, anybody? they need to build a Dornish canal like in Panama, but across Dorn, <laughs> it would increase trade. And um, I think it would, it would answer all these questions about how Euron can get over to fight Danny. That would be fantastic. That would be great. Uh, all you need now is uh, some kind of Reagan-type character telling uh, Ed, Ed, you must take down this wall. Now, what's going what's gonna to happen is, is that uh, the Cersei is going to there, – there are Westerosi men who are held captive in Essos. So what she's going to do <laughs> is she's going to trade guns for prisoners and then get those, get those guns down into Dorne. Into the hands of the rebels. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm really millennials are going to have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I know. About. I was about to say they're going to be like, "What is he talking about?" Um, it's just real quick. Called Contra. Look it up. I, uh, yes, for for those of us who were alive during that time, we know what he's talking about. Um, I think we didn't talk about Peter Peter Baelish. Um, I don't think that he's going to be alive in uh, in the second. Well, I mentioned him in the, the Knights of the Veil. Vale. I think that I did. I mentioned him in the beginning. I said uh, if if he if he can be taken out in the beginning, if John can have him removed, uh, if John John said in the, at the end of season six, uh, he and Santa talked about not trusting him. If he can be removed and uh, Bronze John can be taken can be put in charge of the Knights of the Veil, vale, then John's position becomes much more strong. Well, and I, so, I think that if the Hound gets his hands on Peter Baelish. Oh, that's God. that's where it's going to happen. That's where it's going to happen because the I would watch that way more than I'd watch any Cleegan Bull. Yes, <laughs> yes. If the, if we could watch the Hound just fucking, you know, basically like like a little cat with a, a little mouse and just play with him a little while. And when I mean play with him, like punch him in the face multiple times. Well, we um, do know. We do know that and that these are where and, and we are. I'm seriously, we are going to be wrapping this up here in a minute. But we are, we do have uh, like wild cards on the board and the Brotherhood Without Banners with Sandor Clegane the Hound 
among them is uh, is a wild card, and they are headed up north. And I could absolutely see them joining up with Jon Snow uh, to fight for the battle, for fight for the the guys. Uh, oh, you know, shut the, up, Smith! The, Don't even. <laughs> <laughs> Lady Stoneheart. Hashtag Lady Stoneheart. I'm not even a book reader. And I'm for life. Shit. <laughs> so am I. I just figured Razor. You know, he, he's got a anyway. He's got a. So listen, guys. Uh, we're, we've we're about three minutes over an hour, so we're gonna wrap this up for tonight. We will pick it up another topic next week. Uh, listen, if you've got another topic you'd like to hear us talk about each week, we would love to hear from you. Let us know in the comments, and we will absolutely bring it up or next on week. Twitter. Uh, on Twitter. Let us know on Twitter. Um, so uh, for myself, for Annie, for Corey Thung, first of his name, for the goddess, the dragon lady, Isis, for Corey Smith, the bastard of Texas, Lowborn. <laughs> oh, Corey, you actually, you were getting whiskey. We, I, I just wanted you to know that don't feel bad about Smith because in Arkansas, the, the ba- like if you're a bastard, your last name's Huckabee. So. Anyway, we love you, Corey. Good job. Anyway, my name's Razor. Thanks for listening. We've been Take the Black. Vlar Mabulis.